Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In part two of this two-part podcast, managing editor Brian Gorman and David Kirstorf dive more deeply into some of his protocols as they apply to today's workplace disruptions. We hope you enjoy this installment of the Change Management Review Podcast. I want to dive into a couple of these um, in a little more detail. And the first is know your waypoint. What is the truth? Globally, as we're coming out of the disruption, the turbulence of the COVID pandemic, we're seeing many different business leaders responding with different senses of the truth. And that goes everywhere from those who are saying our new normal is a four-day work week. It is um, either hybrid or remote. It is location uh, agnostic in terms of compensation, et cetera. To some leaders of, you know, Fortune, even Fortune 100 companies that are saying everybody needs to come back to the office because that's how we work around here. I'm sure in your industry, you've seen the same range of response. How do you challenge people to look at that return to normal and and recognize that it is not, even though it may be their truth, it is not the truth about the future success of their organization. In my experience, it's easy to become insulated in large enterprises and for your perspective to get further and further away from the customer, from the employee, and closer and closer to the financial um, community and the financial objectives uh, of, of the company. So uh, I have always found that in business, we exist by the graces of our stakeholders. We have stakeholders far beyond our financial partners. We can't operate without dedicated and, and, and passionate employees and and talented uh, individuals. We can't operate without loyal customers who recognize and and, uh, appreciate our value and and share that with other people. So um, to me, look through the eyes of the stakeholders, all the stakeholders, communicate, um, connect, be transparent. it's, if you do that, it's impossible to arrive at a black and white <laughs> conclusions as to what the next normal is going to be. You're going to have a, a, um, a nuanced view that says, you know, for, uh, for my objective of retaining and attracting the best talent to continue my company forward, message is loud and clear. Remote, remote work to a degree is here to stay. It's critically important to some of my key stakeholders, my most talented employees and future employees, okay? Um, Four-day work week. With remote comes the ability to be incredibly productive at hours long beyond office hours and to be flexible to work at times that are non-office times. So uh, I think what we're seeing is people working um, more and that the four-day work week um, is, um, is a uh, great 
mental and physical recharging uh, that enables greater productivity. I, there's no doubt in my mind that flexible work, whether you call it four-day work, whether you put a frame around it like four-day work week or, or uh, you know, or, or um, uh, half days for, for six days, I, I don't care. But flexibility in how people produce um, is, uh, is definitely here uh, to stay. My advice to leaders who are uncertain about those things is, you know, reach out to your stakeholders, look, walk in their shoes, look through their eyes. You know, I had a time earlier in my life when I thought I wanted to be involved in public service. And uh, particularly, I was looking at a dynamic opportunity around uh, a lieutenant governorship in a certain state. Um, lieutenant governors had been fairly quiet, but there was an opportunity and there were some examples of the, that position becoming a proactive uh, position statewide. So it attracted me. What did I do? I went out and did work days. That's how I decided whether or not to run and on what issues. There were 34 counties in my state, key industries in each of those counties. I went out and worked shoulder to shoulder with the working men and women in those industries and in those companies. And uh, I learned more from those people, you know, lunchbox, uh, round table. You know, you know I, was, uh, I worked in, uh, um, in the uh, agricultural area, um, um, whether it was uh, harvesting apples or, um, or working in the, the grain bins. Uh, I was a, uh, uh, I worked in a prison, uh, state prison. Uh, I worked on a road crew. I worked on the slime line in a fish processing plant. I fell in love with these people and uh, their, their dreams for their family, their, what they got out of their work, their, their commitment to improving their skills all the time. They were so excited to show me and teach me how to do what they were doing. Uh, my gosh. So as a leader, do that. See the world through your stakeholders' eyes, and uh, that will prepare you to um, lead and make decisions in a nuanced, uh, you know, environment. I want to thank you for identifying your first first. Yesterday, I was coaching a certainly in in terms of scale. Uh, a small business owner. Uh, he has, at this point, I think about 30 employees and, and is working to aggressively grow his business to the point of taking it public. And he was sort of checking off in our session all of the different hardships that he was facing in scaling his business amidst everything else that's going on in the world. And uh, one of the things he mentioned was that his focus has been drawn away from his own self-care. And then we went to identify your first first and um, did some exploration on that. And all of a sudden he stopped and he paused and he sort of thought for a moment, he said, the first first for my business, and this goes to what you were saying about uh, you know, self-career and, and, and company, so the first first for my business is 
I have to put on my mask first and start taking care of myself again. Yes. So thank you. That's profound. That's I'm sure that was a profound realization uh, for that individual. And a long time ago, struggling like the person you're describing with all the challenges of business and family and life. And I I came to a realization that, you know what, Um, without my health and without my, uh, my energy, my resilience, my adaptability, without my mindset, a healthy mindset, I cannot accomplish those things that I want to accomplish for my family, for my um, friends, for my community, for my business. You, you're the motive engine. You got to care for that engine. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it, it seems selfish to those who give the person you talk about, um, you don't set out to build a business, create 30 jobs, drive aggressively beyond that without actually being um, a contributor, a giver, a, a personality who gives and gives and all. But um, there's a point at which you're, you become an unhealthy giver. The giving actually takes more <laughs> from you uh, rather than uh, in the early stages where it actually uh, motivates you. You know, it becomes a vicious loop. And, uh, you know, to give more, sometimes you have to take more for yourself, more time, more care, more attention. I wish we had a lot more time because I'd love to dive into each of these protocols. I highly, highly recommend uh, hardship to our listeners. There's one place I want to go that we haven't talked about today that you and I talked about, and I think it's very important, which is the endurance mindset. Favorite topic of mine. You know, when I set up the six protocols, I like to say there are the six protocols and there's one mindset. And that mindset is I accept what's hard. And I learned in my life that the mind is more important than the body, (laughs) actually, in getting through uh, and uh, making it to tough finish lines. I'm a, as you'll find in the book, I'm an endurance athlete. I've completed Ironman competitions uh, and, a, uh, and several other um, endurance events. And in every one of those events, there comes the moment in which the mind carries the body for all the training, for all the fuel and nutrition and recovery and best practices as an athlete. There comes the point where the mind carries the body. And so developing that mindset is it's something you train for. You train for the pain. <laughs> you wake up early. You, you, you get in the cold water <laughs> for the swim. You know, no, it's not comfortable. But you know what? Every single time you do it, it makes you stronger mentally. And so my advice to everyone is whenever you come up on a challenge, First of all, make a commitment that you're going to get through it. You're going to get to the finish line. Believe in yourself. Do the work. Do the work. You know, and no, uh, nothing's going to be easy. Accept it. And, um, and train. Get, you know, just get comfortable with discomfort. Push yourself. 
lead others to do the same. You build a stronger team, a, a stronger resource for dealing with uh, challenges. Be a finisher. Just commit to that. Um, when you're in a long race, you may start the race with a certain goal. I'm going to do it in 12 hours. You know, I'm going to do it at this pace. And guess what? The weather is different. The roads on the bike portion of the race are treacherous. Uh, there's headwinds. Um, the heat is killer on the run. Um, your uh, GI system isn't taking the stress very well. You're, you're now sick and uncomfortable, you know? So you adapt, you, but you still head for that finish line. You might get there two hours later, but, and realize the finish line is still there. You don't have to stay on that original plan. You can blow up your race. You can ruin your chances of, of finishing. So that's a mindset. It's a mindset that says, I'm going to get there. I'm going to do what it takes to get there. I'm going to be realistic. I'm going to be creative. And uh, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be tough. I love the, the language endurance mindset. Uh, one of the earliest lessons I learned in uh, organizational change management and I, I was working with a bank in Canada at that time that was totally transforming. And uh, the change practitioner I was consulting with came to me and he said, I'm in a bit of a quandary because the C-suite wants to run a satisfaction survey in the midst of this transformation. And I said, you need to tell them. The message is very simple. Moving through change is not a satisfying experience. Your job as a practitioner is not to make people comfortable. Tell them if they want people to be comfortable, stop this change. Our job is to help people succeed despite this discomfort. And endurance mindset, I think in the, the case of the great resignation that we're in the midst of now, is a critical part of that success. David, is there anything else to, that, that you want to add before we wrap up here? I thank you so much. The last thing I would say, I spoke about this in the book, is uh, the importance of beacons. You know, that, that light uh, on the buoy that guides you into the channel, that light uh, high atop a, a rock uh, at a lighthouse, that North Star, the importance of beacons uh, to lock into. Uh, when you're going through disruption and change, um, a great beacon is a compelling purpose. Having a purpose that aligns all of the things that you're doing, all of the people and organizations that you're working with into a singular focus, um, a, uh, a purpose that uh, compels action is, uh, is really important. And so be a beacon, seek beacons, build beacons, in your team and light the way. David, thank you so much for joining us today. A great pleasure. A lot of fun. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast with Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of the Change Management Review, and David Gearsworth. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.